Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. More than a little of what has gotten us through these long months of the pandemic is memory. We say, remember when, and we are transported to that time. The aroma, the light, the music, the taste, a warm embrace. This is American writer Leslie Newman's 13 ways of looking at life before the virus. One, I remember shaking hands, damp, sweaty hands and dry, scratchy hands, bone-crushing handshakes and dead fish handshakes, two-handed handshakes, my hand sandwiched between a pair of big, beefy palms. I remember hairy hands and freckled hands, young, smooth hands and old, wrinkled hands, red polished fingernails and bitten jagged fingernails, stained hands of hairdressers who had spent all day dying, dirty hands of gardeners who had dug down deep into the good earth. Two, thousands of years ago, a man stuck out his right hand to show a stranger he had no weapon. The stranger took his hand and shook it to make sure he had nothing up his sleeve. And that is how it began. Three, I remember a bucket of greasy popcorn with a boy at the movies, though I no longer remember the boy or the movie. The thrill of our hands accidentally on purpose, brushing each other in the dark. Four, I remember my best girlfriend and facing each other, shrieking, Miss Mary Mac, 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 and the loud, satisfying smack as our four palms slapped. Five, I remember high fives and how we'd laugh when we missed, and then a do-over. Six, I remember the elegant turn of shiny brass doorknobs, cool to the touch. Seven, I remember my mother's hands tied to the railings of her hospital bed and how I untied them when the nurse wasn't looking and held them in my lap. Seven, eight, I remember holding my father's hand, how the big college ring he wore rubbed against my birthstone ring irritating my fourth finger, but I never pulled away. Nine, 
I remember the joy of offering my index finger to a new baby who wrapped it in her fist as we gazed at each other in wonder. 10. I remember tapping a stranger on the shoulder and saying, your tag is showing, do you mind if I tuck it in? She didn't mind, I tucked it in. 11. I remember salad bars and hot bars. I remember saying, want a bite? And offering a forkful of food from my plate. I remember asking, may I have a sip? And placing my lips on the edge of your cold, frosty glass. 12. I remember passing around the kiddish cup, each of us taking a small sip. I remember passing around the challah, each of us ripping off a big yeasty chunk. I remember picking up a serving spoon someone had just put down without giving it a second thought. 13. I remember sitting with a mourner at a funeral, not saying a word, simply taking her hand. Memory has gotten us through the pandemic and through the longest nights. The remedy has been not to sit in the darkness, at least not for long, but to turn on a light, to strike a match, bring up the lights. Dr. King said we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. When reason fails, we can choose faith. Or maybe there's a baby step toward faith. When reason fails, we can ignite the power of imagination. Years ago, I heard an apocryphal story of two men, roommates in a hospital room. Though the curtain remained drawn between them, they talked for hours about their work, their military service, their families, vacations. The gentleman next to the window always described what he saw there in vivid detail. There was a park with a lovely lake with ducks and a pair of swans. People walked arm in arm around the lake or sat on benches eating picnics. Children ran in the grass, hid behind trees, and sometimes launched little boats from the water's edge. At night, the city skyline would light up in the distance. One day, sadly, the man next to the window was moved to another wing of the hospital. And the other man asked if he might take his bed, eager to look out the window. But when the curtain was pulled aside, he was shocked to find that there was no window. There was only a blank wall. Disbelieving, he asked his nurse what could possibly have compelled his roommate to describe such wonderful things for him. Oh, she replied, perhaps he just wanted to encourage you. We too can ignite the power of imagination. Breathe on the embers, fire it up. Inaugural poet laureate Amanda Gorman writes, for there is always light. 
if we're only brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Two weeks ago, New York Times journalist Tarira Mazezwa wrote a piece called Go Ahead, Fantasize. Shout out to John O'Connor, who sent it along because his sister, philosophy professor Peg O'Connor, is quoted in it. I'm just going to read you the opening. It's too good not to. Teddy Johnson has a very clear fantasy for what he's going to do the day the pandemic is over, whenever that might be. He's banking on the day being sunny, perhaps the temperature of early summer. Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me will be playing everywhere, on the streets of New York City, in the subway, and definitely in the club where Mr. Johnson will gather with all his friends. He will wear a cropped white tank top with speckles of paint all over it with his favorite pair of tight bell bottoms and stunner sunglasses. I can't wait to dance with my friends, he said over the phone from his apartment in Manhattan. It won't erase the pain of the last year, which was compounded for him by the loss of his job, but the dance floor fantasy is soothing, something to look forward to. Thinking about getting on a dance floor with people I love is getting through this stay-at-home life. I've been reading about the Roaring Twenties. I'm pretty sure we can all understand why following the global flu pandemic in 1918 and 1918 that killed 675,000 Americans, followed by a depression that gutted the economy. Our forebears roared into one long celebration. Buoyed by the 1920 ratification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, giving them the right to vote, women headed to college, worked outside the home, and ran for office. Liberating themselves from Victoria-era norms, women cut their hair short, slathered on makeup, wore their dresses short, and headed out to party. Americans went on a spending spree. Bootleggers and gangsters flouted prohibition laws and flooded into jazz clubs, and the Harlem Renaissance redefined arts and culture. Some of that sounds pretty great, doesn't it? And Right about now, I'm going to suggest we begin imagining the trips, the gatherings, the hugs, the places you'll go and the things you'll do once it's safe for us to be together, together again. Imagining the future is called prospection. University of Pennsylvania professor of psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman, explains that the better we are at prospection, the more resilient we are. It allows us to live a good life, for which he uses the acronym PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, positive thinking, emotion engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. We don't have to get too fancy about prospection. Simple is good. Gabriela Aguilar, a mother of two, says the thing she's looking forward to the most is taking her children to a playground. The Zilker Park Playground in Austin, Texas is her holy grail.
Rachel Sim, who writes about fashion for The New Yorker, is planning a party for when this is all over. She's already sent out the invitations. It will be called The After Party. We can wear the outfits we did not get to wear this year. She writes, no outfit too over the top, no rules. Come in a velvet suit. Come in a leotard. Come in a ball gown. No rules. TV writer Jordan Firstman is fantasizing about a day that kicks off with a 20-person breakfast at a restaurant indoors, followed by an orgy, dinner, live theater, a warehouse party, and clubbing until 6 a.m. And then we'll go see The Wicked at 8 a.m., he says, because we didn't get enough theater the night before. We want more theater. And John O'Connor's sister, Peg, after making incisive observations on the power of imagination, offers her post-pandemic dream. I can't wait to hug my mom. Beloved spiritual companions, memory and imagination are mighty tools in our survival kit. Let's not just survive. Let's thrive. I'll give the last word to Arizona's poet laureate, Alberto Rios. He writes, we can make a house called tomorrow. What we bring finally into the new day every day is ourselves. And that's all we need to start. That's everything re required to keep going. Look back only for as long as you must, and then go forward into the history you will make. Be good, then better. Make us proud. Make yourself proud. And those who came before you, when you hear thunder, hear it as their applause. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I honor the divine in you. Our benediction is from Alberto Rios. We can make a house called tomorrow. What we bring finally into the new day every day is ourselves. And that's all we need to start. That's everything required to keep going. Look back only for as long as you must. Then go forward into the history you will make. Be good, then better. Make us proud. Make yourself proud. And those who came before you, when you hear thunder, hear it as their applause. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.